and welcome everybody to the weird world of knowing we are back again with a beautiful episode yes beautiful is here again uh, with the wonderful fabulous peter merry i am rachel earing your host for today and peter merry is a very very special guest and one i'm extremely excited about having on board because it is because of peter that the weird world of knowing is actually happening Everything that he put together when I went to this science and consciousness event last year and the whole concept, the weird experience, the science and the consciousness that was all put together resonated so deeply with my soul and my own weird experiences and the therapy business that I do that I was compelled, basically compelled to create a podcast of which I am not I am really not a podcast host. I've never done this before. It's all new to me. So I'm having so much fun doing this and reconnecting with Peter and everybody else from Broughton Hall, who I met last year. But I'm having an absolute ball and I hope you're enjoying it too. So Peter, hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be <laughs> so here. excited to have you here. So let me just give a little bit of background to the listeners of who, who Peter Murray is. So... Peter Murray has uh, founded Ubiquity University and he helps lead social enterprises and supports other leaders and organisations develop new philosophies. Um, what he's seeing through the books that he writes, his talks and courses, and brings about this balance of life as much as possible to family, friends and his work colleagues, which he does in the really most magical way. But first of all, Peter, let's just go back to, um, obviously, the Ubiquity University is very much part, I think, of, of what you put together for the Science and Consciousness event last year at Broughton Hall. Just tell us a little bit about Ubiquity before we move on, if that's okay. Sure, yeah. So Ubiquity uh, University emerged actually out of something that originally existed based in California called um, Wisdom University. And it was a graduate school uh, focused on inspiration from the wisdom traditions and how they inform our actions today in the world. And then in around 2012, um, with a lot of the online learning developing, we felt there was a chance to take that kind of approach to a larger scale. And that's what gave birth to Ubiquity, which I co-founded with a number of other people um, about 10 years ago now. And... Um, we designed a kind of integral approach to learning where students get one third of their credits for knowledge-based learning, one third for personal development, what we call self-mastery, and one third for an impact project. So it's a real project that they're doing on the ground, trying to make a difference in the world. Um, and it's been a combination of, uh, of online with some in-person and some blended, um, but really uh, focused on, you know, what do we really need to develop um, to be able to make a positive contribution to the world today. Mm. So that's uh, in, a, in a little nutshell, a bit about Ubiquity. Yeah. And, and when you look at Ubiquity University, and I really do advise you to go and have a look at Ubiquity, for me, it, it encompasses the, the move forward, how we are actually going to move forward with all our wisdom that we have now and how we integrate it. I think you've explained that beautifully, but 
But for someone like me who doesn't have a degree, I don't have a degree. I've never wanted to go to university. I've, there's not been anything. I didn't want to be a doctor or a nurse or a mechanic, you know, anything mechanical. Certainly loved science, but actually could never grasp the mathematics behind it. And so that led me on a, a very different path. And I ended up in television, sort of worked my way and sort of from an apprentice type level through, through my journey of life. But when I looked at Ubiquity, it was the one, it's the one place that I actually got excited and thought, oh, I'd really like to do a degree because there's a degree in wisdom. Mm. And that is just, that sang to my soul. And mm. when you look into it, please go and have a look at it, everyone, because when you have a look around the university site, you're going to be blown away if, like me, you are into consciousness and science. Well, you obviously will be because you're here listening to us. So <laughs> without further ado, Peter, explain to us how the event, Science and Consciousness event, the weird experience, came about at Broughton. Mm. Um, well... I've been kind of exploring for a number of years the world of energy and information. In fact, my whole PhD that I did at uh, Ubiquity's Wisdom School um, was focused on exploring this, this question of how do we understand and make sense of essentially the invisible dimensions of reality that our science currently tends to ignore simply because we can't see it with our eyes and we can't measure it with our normal instruments. And um, as part of that, um, exploration I came across um, work that they had been doing at Princeton University for 28 years in fact I think I came across it in um, Lynn Taggart's book The Field first and what had happened is that at the engineering school at Princeton they'd been uh, seeing data that was suggesting that fighter pilots in their cockpits when they started to get stressed um, were influencing the instruments on the uh, dashboards. So this was obviously an, an important data point because um, the readouts of those instruments are particularly important. And if they didn't seem, if they weren't as objective as everybody thought they were, because they were influenced by the inner state of the pilot, then they needed to research what, what that meant. Mm. And so, um, so they spent 28 years basically looking at how um, the inner state of the human affects what would otherwise be neutral or random events uh, around us. And uh, they did that with a num in a number of different ways, from mechanical experiments and this massive machine on the wall that drops 9,000 black uh, uh, marbles through a, a system that would normally give you a kind of standard deviation curve. Uh, at the bottom and then people would sit in front of it and just try to influence more balls to fall to the left or the right and they were finding that people could do this with significant statistical impact including you didn't have to be a psychic or something to do it you know kids would sit do anybody could sit down and, and influence basically and then they started to develop more um, digital uh, ways of assessing uh, how people's mind could influence the world around them and uh, they developed something which um, became called a random event generator or random number generator which is really a fast coin flipper it flips kind of lots of zeros and ones very fast so you would you know if it was random you just get 50 percent of each and through different interfaces what they were basically doing is have people try to influence the number of ones or the numbers of, of zeros so it was be, be less you know there'd be more structure in the data um, that you would the structure that you wouldn't expect if it was just being random mm. 
And over all of those years, you know, they found very significant data that was showing that people were making small but consistently small impacts on this data, which was showing really beyond statistical doubt that human consciousness and intention was affecting the world around us, regardless of, of our physical proximity to the device. So the, from the other side of the world didn't make any difference. And interestingly enough, outside of time. So it didn't have to be before uh, uh, the event. And they also explored um, a lot of the remote perception work. So looking at how from a distance you could send information uh, to other people. So for example, they would have somebody in uh, on one side of the Atlantic waiting to receive information and they would know the name of the person who was on the other side of the Atlantic about to look at something. They didn't know where they were or what they were going to look at. Mm. And this person would go and look at this, uh, uh, probably a, a building or a particular landscape or something. And they would try to send that back to the person on the other side of the Atlantic. And um, they did that with great success, but again, also outside of time. So for example, people would send them back uh, information um, or the person would receive the information, try to pick it up before the person had actually gone to the location or even known what location they were going to be looking at. So there was, this was all sorts of data that was showing these scientists and really, you know, uh, Robert Yan, who was the engineering professor, um, was very skeptical at the beginning and, you know, was trained in classically. Um, and, but, but he's a real scientist and real scientists, if they see data, that challenges their worldview will start to question their worldview and the theory and everything that exists. So this is what he did together with Brenda Dunn, who uh, managed the lab there um, over, you know, over these 28 years. Mm -hmm. and, and really it was, you know, nearly one in a billion chance that what they found was actually chance. So, you know, from when I came across that, I was like, okay, good. So we don't need to prove anymore that human intention in our inner state affects the world around us, that we're entangled, really, that there's not these fixed boundaries that we think there are. We can just assume that now. Yeah. Uh, that's been proven. Whether people want to believe it or not, you know, that's up to them. But if you follow, you know, real scientific rigor and they can show this data, then, you know, that's been proven. So then the question becomes, what are the implications? So anyway, so I was, uh, I, uh, the, the lab closed in 2007, 2008. And um, at some point after that, they had they had set up a, a company to produce these little random event generators for the public to buy, mm. as well as mind lamps, which were lamps which uh, change color that you could influence with your mind. And um, anyway, so I heard about this and I got hold of some of the lamps, but also the random event generators and, and the software and would take them to events and just leave them at events. And you would notice how at the moments during events where the group came particularly coherent, mm. more structure came into the random data. So somehow the experience that a group was having was influencing um, this field of information. Yeah. And so I, I sent some of that to Brenda and, um, you know, and she got back to me. So we'd been having some email exchange. We ended up talking. And at some point she said, um, you know, I've got all of this uh, equipment still in storage and it's costing us a fortune. And, um, you know, could you think of anything to do with it? Fantastic. <laughs> I had just got to know Roger Paris uh, mm -hmm. at Broughton and I was just, well, 
maybe <laughs> let me see if they'd be interested in you know hosting all of this equipment yeah. in a space where people could just come in and directly experience um the interconnectedness essentially of their minds with the with the rest of the world around them and um and roger felt like it was a good thing to do and so that's how we ended up getting the equipment and everything to Broughton and thought, well, it would be good to bring some people together. Now we've got all this equipment and this great resource library uh, there to experience it and to explore, you know, what's next wow. in this whole domain of research. And so that's, that's what gave birth to the science and consciousness event in 2021, which uh, Brenda came over to and Lynn McTaggart, who had visited the lab at Princeton uh, came and joined us and, so it was a really great, um, like you say, a really good combination of the science, but also the experience mm. and, um, and trying to ground our experience in, you know, not a limited understanding, but at least being able to, to show that there's something, you know, behind it that we can mm. uh, talk about, give it a language, as it were. So, yeah, so that is, you know, at least we're going to do it again this year anyway, 2022. So whether it'll keep going, we'll see, but it feels like it might. Oh, it, <laughs> I think it definitely feels like it might I think it's once you've been and you've experienced it and that combination of science and consciousness that you managed to attain last year was just sublime it actually and I think the, the timing of it as well and absolutely the environment because Broughton really has peaceful real deep peaceful soul and they've renovated it in such a, uh, a authentic way that when you actually just even reach Broughton itself your whole sense senses just start to fall into into place just by being in Broughton the energy there is just beautiful but then to go into the room where you are mixing with physicists and people like Brenda and yourself and for for, for somebody like myself who's an energy worker who you know, we're constantly called weird, we're constantly called witches, we get called all sorts of things because it's very, very difficult to explain this invisible field that captures all this information that helps people to feel better once they tap into it and release their angst, really. And once you start to put all of that angst into that field, it, it just seems to melt away, just like when you're at Broughton, just being in nature, it just all seems to melt away. Obviously, there's help there from the energy therapist workers as we do this work to keep people safe, to keep buildings safe, because I know that's what you also work on. But for people like myself to be in that environment, that is not it's not a natural environment for us to go in and be able to you know, talk to scientists who are discovering, you know, using all this equipment, it was like an absolute breath of fresh air that actually the work that we do is being validated. It, there's somewhere for it to, somewhere, some, somewhere, somebody's validating these fields that gives us the, the figures, gives us the quantifiable fact that things work that things are absolutely influenced by intention. And of course, we did lots of experiments while we were there as well, which was beautiful. The remote viewing, which I, I really enjoy because that's very much what I do as a, <laughs> as a therapist, you're tuning into that energy field and you, um, 
what you see, hear and feel is very much what you're feeding back maybe to your clients or just to yourself through that session. But to do it in that environment felt really quite weird for me. It was really weird <laughs> because to share that with other people who, again, were, were measuring this on, 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 um, cause you, we did it in several ways as well, didn't we, Peter? There was a, a method where we had partners and our partner went out. I was the one that went out into the forest and I had a partner in, in the room and we fed back what we were feeling, seeing, hearing, and they had to draw that out. And then there was a group session where we went, they went as a group out into the forest again, but then they were given certain pictures, images, weren't they, to think about and decide which one they were going to send back to the group. And that again was really interesting with the different feedback. Now I could under, sort of understand all the different feedback because personally, when I get feedback, it's usually very emotional. I go, it, it's the emotional side that I pick up on. It's the energy side. It's that releasing of all sorts of things. And then the colors and shapes, but for other people, of course, it's their first time in doing this and they were feeling and hearing things and seeing things that they'd never really encountered before. So you were drawing all sorts of things <laughs> on this, on this post board. What were your thoughts from that feedback for that session? From the remote perceptions. Mm. You know, at one level, we're all surprised when it happens, but part of my sense is actually we should stop being surprised, you know, because, so that's why I've called the kind of subtitle for next year, making weird the norm. Mm. Like, what does it mean if we actually just accept that this is the nature of reality? But yeah, I mean, there were, you know, the interesting, when we did it with the group, we actually um, had uh, the people in the room try to pick up the information half an hour before the group had even selected the picture they were going to send back. And as you know, you know, we got some quite significant hits in terms of people accurately describing the picture that was eventually chosen. So for a traditional kind of Newtonian scientist, this would be, you know, un, not incomprehensible. Like not only can you, not only people are sending information through space with their intention and other people are picking it up, but they're doing it outside of linear time. Yeah. So it, it kind of challenges all of the foundational rules of uh, Newtonian uh, kind of rational scientific mindset. Um, which, you know, it doesn't mean that that a part of science is wrong. It just means it's partial. Mm. I mean, it's good at describing a certain dimension of reality, but it's not good at describing another dimension of reality. And we need to find a way for them to be able to sit alongside each other mm. um, rather than just reject it because it doesn't fit the way we understand the world. Mm. So, um, yeah, those were, that was really great. And it was, of course, you know, I was expecting it to work, but it's also nice when it actually does because <laughs> you're gonna, what happens if none of this works, you know? Oh, it certainly worked. And I think, again, the real, um, the real significant benefit for all of this and, and, and the whole purpose of me actually doing this podcast is to, is to help bring together these two worlds where we have you know, people who, who do healing, people who do distance healing, uh, whether that be through Reiki or spiritual healing or through EFT tapping or whatever modality that it, that may be, we know it works because we send and receive that information as we're working with, with people. We know what that feels like. We know what that looks like. We know what that sounds like. 
Now, some people can see things greater than others. Other people hear things, other people feel things. Some people do all of that, don't they? Mm -hmm. um, but to make that normal, to be able to have people like you to come on and talk in this way so that you can actually articulate between the two worlds, I think that's where the gap is. That's where this huge gap is of having people who can really articulate the science with the weird energy, which is the norm, um, the normal energy work that we do and, and articulate it in a level that, that you're able to. And, and that is where the gift really lies, I think, right now. So thank you for giving us that gift. It's much appreciated. Um, so what what's next after the weird becomes the norm in later on this year where there's another event at Broughton what what's actually next on the agenda yeah well there's I mean there's a a, a few things developing in uh, you know in this whole weird world and one is obviously the the next event that we're doing which is 31st of October to 4th of November I think in uh, Broughton and um, well one of the topics that's emerged has been this topic of dying actually in the process of dying in some of our the recent experiments that we've been doing with the random event generators because um, really just a few weeks ago um, they did a very first experiment where they had somebody who knew she was going to die a very conscious woman um, and uh, and was aware of all this experimentation and stuff and said well let's try it out on me and so uh, so we you know set up a random event generator that was connected to her and uh, not physically um and um and ran for five days around the period that she knew right. she was going to die and that uh, she died meditating actually wow. and then um the moment it was when when they looked at the data after it was completely flat kind of line all the way until the moment she died and then there was this big peak wow. field and then it kind of flattened again and uh so you know that was showing us that the act of dying isn't just can't just be a material event because this thing that was picking essentially picking up you know events in the field was picked you know picked up a significant event at that moment so something was going on in the information and energy fields at that time and they're continuing now with research at um, a number of hospices in uh, scotland and also at um, intensive care units in spain well, we're going to have the random event generator actually in the rooms mm. of the people and just see what, how, you know, what it picks up um, as they yeah. pass. And, and so that, there's, that's, that's really powerful that, that, because I actually, I've had that experience of helping. I didn't know that's what was, what was going to happen. I was helping somebody who, who knew she was having a miscarriage and she'd asked me to send her some healing. And as I was sending a healing, what I experienced was obviously very different from what she was experiencing because I experienced the transition of that, that mm. young soul inside her actually going into the light. Mm. And it was the most beautiful gift that I could have ever been given to facilitate and help that process. But from that, that little fetus to end up walking to what grew and all I could see were the legs walking towards that light mm. Mm. obviously I didn't go as far as that light but I got the essence and the feeling mm. of all that and it really is the most um blissful experience that I've 
ever had and you can't really put it into words but it fills you up so much that I mm. overflow I overflow mm. with literally tears mm. of joy of 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 just bliss in mm. a way just rolling so my face was literally wet through mm. Mm. and um mm. so I can understand that peak yeah you know I think I most of us feel you know that something it's more than just a physical thing mm. But we're constantly bombarded by science and a mind view that, that tells us it's not, you know. And yet, so we have this dissonance between what we intuitively feel and what the kind of experts and authorities are telling us. And so to be able to come from that scientific perspective and, and show actually that something else does happen, I think is going to be really great. And so we'll be bringing together some of the top researchers in that, in that area. Um, for having to have a day focused on okay this whole dying uh, research mm. um yeah and then and then we'll kind of we'll we'll see well we're certainly going to do the remote it's another kind of round of the remote perception and this time i want to record it better because we didn't get enough photos of like the things the different partners yeah. actually drew and things so that we can tell that story a bit more and then we're continuing to work on the weird experience maybe i should say just a little bit about why we call it weird oh please uh, do yes which is weird with a Y, so W-Y-R-D, comes from actually the work uh, Brian Bates, who wrote a book called The Way of Weird, that is based on a document um, from over a thousand years old, I think, in the British Library, that um, documents the journey of a young priest um, who was at one of the first monasteries in England, who was sent out by the abbot to find the pagans, and find out you know what their wizards do and of course this wizard knew this person was coming and prepared the whole initiation process for them so really gave them the kind of inside out experience and this um priest went back to the monastery and wrote down you know the whole experience right then everything that had happened and a part of that was describing you know the word that they use to describe the web that connects everything is the web of weird so w-y-r-d that kind of anything that has synchronicity in it anything that's about what goes on in the in those invisible spaces in between mm. they describe as weird and so you can see where the how the word got distorted over time to be something that's strange yeah. um but um we feel felt that that was the nice thing about it is that it's a it's a meme that is native to uh, Great Britain uh, to Northwestern Europe, um, which we buried very deep, I think. And then what we yeah. did, because we couldn't find it, we imported these concepts such as chi and everything else, which are the same thing, basically, but yeah. from the East. But to know that we've actually got our own native tradition and language around it, I think is, uh, well, really helps because it's somehow easier to resonate with something that's from your own land yes. somewhere else. And so part of it is like, we feel like this mission to reawaken the the meme of weird um so that hence the weird experience which is where we've got all of the equipment people can come in and we've been working on uh, we've got this little robot that works so you can influence this robot moving around a table we've now in the lab got the uh, a laptop with all the software and everything set up so people can come in and interact um with the uh, with the programs there and we nearly got the big machine ready to go, Murphy, as he's called. So we're hoping to have 
you know, by uh, October, November to have Murphy the robot and the drum. So there's this drum that you can influence the rhythm of to have those set up and running by November. And then, and then another thing that we're doing is, so as I said, when they finished the work at Princeton, um, they set up this little company to produce some of the products for, for the public, but that it, it was really, um, it was kind of run, they weren't really business, it wasn't really business focused, they were doing it a bit, a bit of as a hobby, and so it ended up, you know, there wasn't enough energy to keep it going, basically, and so we're, re, uh, we're starting up a new company that will um, develop these mind lamps, um, which okay. are, we're kind of, kind of thinking of three versions. One is one you can interact with yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, another is going to be one that will sit in the, in uh, kind of sit in meeting rooms and it will, in, in, its glow will increase as the coherence and flow of the group. Oh, I love that. Room increases. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and the other one we're thinking of is a twin lamp where um, basically if you know you could have a lamp in your room there and I could have a lamp here and they would be twinned and if I th- was thinking of you your lamp would start to glow. Oh, I love that too that's gorgeous. You have like lamps from different family members or loved ones or whatever and think about that in Covid times one of the biggest challenges oh, was yeah. isolation you know, people feeling alone whereas we're not actually alone that's the point we're always connected to each other but to have an affirmation of that you know with how wonderful would it be as you know energy healers to be able to know that as we're sending to our loved ones or whoever that there could be a physical sign for that person to know that it's on its way and when it's arriving Mm. because it it lights up as well there's so many different uses for all of that and the meeting one i was just envisaging that being in my house with my boys (laughs) and having they're all you know the the teenagers late teenagers going into the 20s so to have some resonance in the room would be wonderful (laughs) and we're either in flow you see it acts as a kind of you know we talk about biofeedback these devices you put on your body and things this is more a kind of socio feedback where you become consciously aware of when you are aligned as human beings in a group and therefore when you're also going to be most creative most effective together it's and so when you're not you really know, showing connection isn't it, it yeah connection is like, what are we doing now that's making yeah. it glow you become more conscious of it and oh why did we just drop out of sync there what happened you know so it so it makes it brings a kind of whole learning to what it means to be aligned you know collectively as well so mm. i think that's going to be really cool yeah that's going to be very cool i really love that idea so Peter, thank you for all of that. Now, there's two questions that I do ask everybody when they come on to the podcast. And the first one is for anyone who is starting their working life, maybe for the first time, or maybe they've transitioned into something new or a different career, different job, what advice would you give them? Well, it sounds kind of corny, but it really is this thing about following your heart, which is um, making sure you're in a place that feels like the right place to be, even if you don't understand why you're there. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and, and the other thing is, if, if you've got a feeling of something you want to be doing or contributing, it's about uploading that wish or that desire, you know that intention or a picture in your mind of you doing that work mm. and then just trusting that the universe will provide um, the pathway for you into that and not trying to 
you know, think that you know how that's going to unfold. So it's about kind of uploading the intention, as it were, and then letting it go and trusting and feeling grateful for the fact that you know it's going to happen. And then noticing, you know, things that come on along your path that might be taking you there. Yeah. Um, so that's it's yeah i think that's the most important thing is to get out of this more linear mindset where we feel we have to have like a whole plan of what we're going to do when and next and next but learn to follow the signs and um follow what feels right even if your cognitive mind can't rationalize it yeah because you'll discover why <laughs> and that becomes a much more joyous way of oh, living life and actually uh, actually much more effective in the end as well hmm. i think it creates something even more um i'm going to use this word again folks beautiful than we could even possibly imagine because what we think might be great is one thing but as you experience it unfolding and becoming even more wonderful because you've sort of left let, let the petals unfold all on their own what's underneath all that is is a magical delight i think it's it's wonderful so thank you for that advice and then the next question is who would you like to hear on the weird world of knowing as a guest uh brian bates if you can get a hold of him well that'd be that'd wonderful be yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> okay <laughs> i'll note that one down and brian if yeah, you because <laughs> uh, yeah yeah we, i mean we've had a bit, a bit of email contact but he he kind of I think he well, for whatever reasons anyway, but it would be great to have a conversation with him. Oh gosh, it certainly would. Yeah. Well, yes, who knows? You never know. We might have Peter Murray and Brian Bates on the same show, Weird World of Knowing Next. <laughs> Let's put that one out into the ether and see what happens there. Peter, yeah. I can't thank you enough for being here and voicing everything and putting it into words and creating this really stunning environment for the scientists and conscious people to be able to come together and share the same space it's creating something really magnificent thank you very much indeed and if you've enjoyed this everybody you are able to get hold of peter through the links below but peter can you just let them know how they can get in touch with you yeah best thing is probably to check out the website petermary.org um, there's also a newsletter so uh, you know once a month updates on any new stuff that i've written any new things that are going on um, including the latest developments around the science and consciousness event so that's probably the best way and from there you can link to the uh, facebook or youtube or any of the other channels yep wonderful peter thank you very much and we'll see you all next week take yeah, care thank you rachel cheers thank you so much for listening on the weird world of knowing i do hope you enjoyed your time with us i'm rachel Ewing, your host and gosh, I'm having a ball putting all of this together for you. So I hope you are too. And if you are, please do like, subscribe and share with those who might actually benefit from these weird moments of knowing as they realise how many of their own they've been having all their life. Take care and we'll see you next week.